Alright, today I want to talk about a four-letter word that begins with F. Anybody want to take a guess? Fact? Nah, that is a fact. It is going to be that way. Fear. Fear. Today I want to talk about the subject of fear. Um, and um, I uh, fear. I, I want to read some stats you, that are probably they were staggering to me. Um, so, forty years ago, the greatest fears we're talking about fears now. Anybody have fears? No. <laughs> fears forty years ago. Okay, you're. Uh, Animals, that was number one, fear of animals. Just think, just look how this has changed. Uh, number two, being in a dark room. Number three, high places. Number four, strangers. You know, don't talk to strangers. And number five, loud noises. Now, this is according to John Hopkins University, a study they did 40 years ago. And then fears, uh, what do you think are the top five fears of grade school children today? Grown-ups. What? Grown-ups. Grown-ups. Um, mm, not, maybe close to that. Number one, get this, this is, this is fears of children. Terrorists. Uh, number two, divorce. Uh, number three, nuclear war. How do these kids even know about this? Yeah, boy, I mean, we're just uh, kids know a lot of things. Number four, cancer. Uh, you know, uh, and we have experienced my, my granddaughter's best friend um, in grade school. Her mother, in her forties, young lady, died of cancer just just recently. Young, so you know, so cancer number four, and number five, pollution. Now, look at the difference in the five, the simplicity of the five 40 years ago and the complications of it now, how complicated those things are. Terrorist, divorce, war, cancer, pollution. Uh, you know, that's, uh, kids are, kids are um, aware of a lot of things. So what are some of your fears? Do you have any? We all can't be like Vera. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you have some? Uh, I think we all do. How how do we handle them? How are you handling them? Uh, you know, in, in these uh, in these this is a legitimate legitimate question. You know, in these times, it's disur- disturbing to us to see. Look, evil prevailing everywhere, uh, and it can it can mess with us. It can mess with our minds. It can mess with how we, how we think about things. Frankly, we shouldn't be surprised by what's taking place. Uh, you know, if, we, if we're you know, students of Bible, which we should be, if you look at, um, uh, you know, Timothy says, you know, that perilous times would come. That's chapter 4, says, you know, perilous times would come. And I believe we're living in very perilous times that, that uh, you know, we see it. It's here. And our fears, I think, mount. Sometimes they're founded. Sometimes they're unfounded. 
Uh, sometimes we fear things we shouldn't. Sometimes we fear things that are going to take place and they don't. Uh, and, you know, there are lots of fears and we'll go over some of those. Sometimes, have you ever been overwhelmed by fear? You know, there, uh, I, I think of children, um, you know, there is a, one, of, one of the phobias out there is a fear of dogs. Well, if you've been attacked by a dog as a little kid, you've got a fear of dogs. I mean, that's legitimate, you know. Uh, and every time you see a dog, you're going to have a reaction to it. And, you know, these, these things do happen. Uh, certainly, they can overwhelm us if, they can overwhelm us if we don't have courage. And especially if we don't have courage of conviction. And let's talk about that. You know, the, the rise of Islamic terrorism, we've seen that happen. We see that continuing to take place. I think there was another attack, was it in Barcelona? Uh, even this week? How horrible. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get how, how people can attack innocent men and women and children. I don't get it. I don't get that mentality. Uh, you know, hearing those reports and seeing those uh, videos and things that they do is, is, is very alarming to me. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's very... Um, we don't... We live... We're frankly kind of protected. I do believe God's hedge is being removed. But here we're, we're pretty protected. Things are pretty safe here. You know that? We live in, we don't face, you know, a lot of those things. And of course you'd say, well, yeah, what about if you lived in New York and, you know, the Twin Towers and attacks that took place? Yes. Uh, and, you know, we are, we are now, uh, have anybody tried to fly a plane lately? Boy, going through security, you know, all of that since 9-11 is really upped. And you got to check everything and you can't even carry pocket knives and, uh, you know, so that's changed. Some of our freedoms disappeared even with, with, those, with that. Uh, and you know what? Remember, there was the bombing of the uh, Boston Marathon a few years ago. How horrible! You know, the young people would do that. Um, I do. Th I, I, it's sad to me that we're losing our Christian heritage. It's sad to me that here we are, four generations or five generations now, removed from biblical principles being taught in home. Now that's not completely. You know, it, it's more individual uh, around the South. I think we, we see that a lot more than we do, you know, other places of the country and other places of the world. Uh, you know, so there is still foundation here. And boy, thank, be thankful for that. Um, you know, people like to laugh and joke about having a church on every corner. But is that really all that bad if there are biblical principles and Christian principles being taught? So, yeah, you know, I, I think we have to, to look at that in a different, you know, a different way. And we do find, I believe, Christianity in this country right now is under siege. It's under siege. And uh, one religion, it's the one religion everybody attacks. And we're the defenders. We're the defenders. Well, it better be us. Uh, you know, I don't know. If it can't be in a public forum, then we better defend it in our, our lives and the things that we do daily and in those that we come in contact with. Matthew 17, you don't have to turn there. Jesus said, and you know, this was, uh, he said this to the disciples. He told them, he says, arise and do not be afraid. And I am taking that motto. That is a motto we need to adopt, that we need to not be afraid. That we do not need to be fearful. Uh, I, yes, it's sad that, that, you know, think uh, you know, God is kicked out of schools and institutions, and 
Uh, and now, you know, we've got the, the big uproar uh, now uh, taking place and how horrible. And I've got something to say about politics, you know, uh, in Charlottesville and uh, how, how, how can we get there as a country peacefully? You know, we, we don't know how to do that. But I have to say this. How do we look at that? How do we look at that? How do we as people, how should we look at that? Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I believe it should not be politically. But we, need, we should ask this question. How would Jesus think about it? Uh, and, and our mindset needs to be, what does the Bible say about it? And how does God think about it? Uh, because that is not being done. Uh, I cannot believe somebody would run over people. Just, you know, plow people down on a car. That is... That is um, and it's yeah it's uh, there is the there is the prince of the power of the air isn't there so you know uh, we are something about um, the first amendment that I will mention oh did I mention about po yeah politics we don't I don't believe in politics from the pulpit you will never hear me talk politically from the pulpit because we are going to talk about the things of God and I don't think we need to be politically motivated as individuals. We, should, we need to be careful about that. Jesus, you know, lived in a very political time. Was he political? No. He, he wasn't. He wasn't that way. But, you know, we, we, uh, one thing about the First Amendment was actually formula, formulated, and this is sad where we are, to protect religion from the state. Not the state from religion. And we are promised freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, you know, if you get what I mean. So, uh, you know, we have to be real careful. And we see things that are kind of in turmoil and turned upside down. Bibles are tossed out. The Ten Commandments are not followed. Monuments are torn down. Uh, you know, of, of commandments and things removed out of, you know... Uh, even city halls and things like that, commandments taken down. That's really sad to me that we would remove that. But convictions and beliefs are considered, and this is where this is way way you'll look. You're going to be looked at the way I'm looked at. Convictions and beliefs are considered bad. Bad. Do you believe in being politically correct? Yeah, I don't either. We don't have to be politically correct. We need to be truthful. That's what we need to be. Um, you know, we're old-fashioned and superstitious and harmful if we have convictions. Uh, you know, we've, we've got five people changed uh, the definition of marriage. But that is what they said. Only God has the authority to change that. You know that, right? God is the only one that has the authority to define marriage. And He has. And we read it, you know, in Scripture. So, uh, you know, we... Uh, don't you feel a troubling sense uh, bringing these things up? Because it, these are things on our mind, right? We, we, we are... Uh, oh, and, you know, and I'm I just going to recommend, too, that we don't spend too awful much time watching the news. Because we can be, we can be swayed and, 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 and we can become... Um, over overwhelmed with, in my mind, things that are that shouldn't that we don't we don't need to focus on. 
Uh, and it's really, you know, you're going to find either someone's going to be real conservative, someone's going to be liberal, there's going to be hate, there's going to be, I'm going to get my way, uh, we're going to go get this way, we're going to get this president, you know, kicked out, uh, and, uh, you know, all these things. And, and it's, it's very troubling. It's very troubling and that our society is losing, losing its soul. It's very, very troubling. It has turned its back on moral standards, religious convictions, integrity, and the differences between right and wrong. Those things are disappearing. That's, that's horrendous. But I, again, I say we shouldn't be too surprised. Turn over with me over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's read verses 1 through 4 because uh, we're, we're going to see why this is taking place. Just a couple of verses here. Because uh, Ken mentioned that we do have an enemy. Don't we? Yes. There is somebody that is loving all that's going on. Uh, and, and we know who that is. Verse 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, ministry excuse me, as we have received mercy and we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Those are powerful words from the Apostle Paul. Those are powerful words. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And I, I do say, if we recognize the words of God and we understand the principles of God, that is the greatest thing in the whole world for us. If we can say, I understand and I see, that means the Spirit of God is working in our lives. And that is so monumental. It's wonderful. It's wonderful that God's Spirit works in our lives. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Uh, you know, and... Um, He's, he's blinded. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the, in the, image, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. That's true. You know, we have an enemy. And he has, uh, the God of this world is blind, has blinded the minds of those, the minds of those which believe not. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing is, he's not going to get those who do believe. I mean, he's not going to get them. He's not going to get those that believe. But if they will make conscious effort, you know, and there's our challenge. If they will be courageous, if they will not be fearful, you know, he will not get those because it says he gets he he he, uh, he has blinded. Excuse me, the God, verse four again. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Let me just say, he can't, he can't blind the mind that sees the truth and who's in whom God's Spirit is working. He can't, he can't blind it. The ones that see and understand can choose to not follow, but he is not going to blind them. You know, we, we can make mistakes, we can, we can walk away, but that's not because we're blinded. That was because we make a conscious choice. We see that, right? There, that we, we see that. But he is the enemy and he is working. And he's working, you know, as, as the old saying goes, overtime. He's working overtime. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. 
And here, here you know, was our past, verse 2, says, Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember how that was? Walking according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. We didn't even recognize it. You're just following along, going that way. Uh, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And, you know, uh, among whom also we had our conversations and conduct in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So, you know, here it is. Sometimes our fears mount. And sometimes founded, sometimes unfounded, and sometimes they overwhelm us. And the Apostle Paul, knowing our tendency, hey, and it is our tendency, to settle on fears, uh, gave us some good advice about the proper outlook on life. And let's read that. It's over here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 7. So, I ask this question before we read it. Does God give us the spirit of fear? No, we read it. Verse 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're not to have the spirit of fear. And, you know, um, fear is our enemy. You realize that? Fear is our enemy. And there are all kinds of examples of that. There's all kinds of phobias out there, you know, things that people fear. I want to read some. Some are hilarious, but uh, some, you, you know, some I'm, you know, probably have a phobia for too. Uh, arachnophobia. Anybody know what that is? Fear of spiders. Okay. Uh, ophidiophobia. Ophidiophobia. You know what that is? Fear of snakes. Anybody have that? We all don't, you know, I don't like them if they go. <laughs> we don't like them. We have, we have healthy respect. But some people, there are people that absolutely fear. Um, acrophobia. You know what that is? Fear of heights. Acrophobia. Fear of heights. You fear heights? Uh, I, I think we all better have a little healthy respect for that. Um, uh, I was uh, this summer backpacking up in some pretty high mountains and we were looking over some cliff edges that were a long way down. And, you know, I get that little feeling in the stomach. You know, we have to have a healthy respect. But there are all kinds of things. Um, necrophobia, which is the fear of dead things. Uh, there's the fear of dogs, which I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier. There is claustrophobia. You know what that is? Yeah. Confined spaces. I, you know, some people don't like to be locked in small dark rooms or small lighted rooms. Just the fear of being closed up. And, and it can cause traumatic experiences. Um, glossophobia. You know what that is? I think some ministers need to have more fear of this, of public speaking. Glossophobia. There are some that need to have a little more fear of public speaking because of the things they say. 
Um, but you know, uh, and, um, and anyway, there's there's a list, uh, and you can go to the just go type on you know your search engine, just type in uh, list of phobias, and you'll get hundreds. There are people that have hundreds. Uh, I've got. Uh, it's amazing. Look at this. 110 top 110 fears of mankind. Fear of snakes, heights, flying, public speaking, darkness, uh, not being able to escape, spiders, terror attacks, rejection, getting cancer, spine, uh, can fall spine spaces, getting hurt, losing good health, choking and suffocating, HIV, fear of bridges, fear of ghosts, clowns, storms. People have all kinds of fears of everything. It just it's amazing. And and go to doctors for these things. And go to doctors for these things. Uh, and, you know, so because of fear. And our fears sometimes do mount, and sometimes our fears are founded, and sometimes they're, they're unfounded. But Timothy said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And I think, and we really want to look at this today. Do you realize it was fear? that compelled the unprofitable servant to bury his talents. Remember that? I feared you, God, that you're because you're an austere and harsh man. And he buried his talents. Um, what was it that kept the Israelites from entering the promised land? Fear. Oh, they're giants, they're big. We're just like grasshoppers. And they didn't view things like Joshua and Caleb did. That's a great story, by the way. There, there is a story that where you have, you know, those courage and conviction and trust in God and then fear on the other side, all in one story. It is a, it's a great story. Uh, and that's Numbers 13, if you want to go read it. They wandered in 40, they wandered 40 years because 40 days they went out to spy the land each day for a year for the bad report they brought back. And the children of Israel wandered and died in the wilderness. It was fear that St. Peter when he tried walking on the water. He was walking on the water, wasn't he? And then what does it say? It's like he looked down and went, what am I doing? <laughs> down he went. And, you know, in the Sea of Galilee. So, what kind of spirit dwells in you and me? What kind of spirit dwells in you and me? Is it one of fear and timidity? Or is it one of uncertainty or doubt? Or is it one of courage and conviction? And... Is our, the spirit that is within us, one that is full of love and power and of a sound mind? Well, let's look at that today. Let's talk about that. The word power means dunamis, and it means this. It means strength and might and ability to do, you know, to work, a miracle. It's ability to do and get things done. That's what that is, one of power. It's one that, that, is not a, that, is, that doesn't get paralyzed. It is still able to function. And, you know, there is, there's something that happens to us. We get paralyzed in our fear and we can't do anything. And we, sometimes we get paralyzed in, in our... Uh, I'll tell you what, fear will get us just because we, we, we don't know how to handle a certain situation. Have you ever been in an uncomfortable situation? You don't know how to handle it and you get paralyzed. And you can't function. You don't know what to do because of the circumstances you're in. It's interesting, but Jesus was deserted by many of his disciples because he refused to, to
tell people what they wanted to hear, he told them the truth. And sometimes we all want to hear what we want to hear and we don't like to hear the truth. But Jesus was never that way. He told them what they needed to hear. And, uh, and you know, he had many of his disciples that turned back. John 6, verse 66 says, and many of his disciples turned back. That's during the time he said, I'm the bread of life. You know, he that eats me shall never die. People were saying, this guy is nuts. He's crazy. And they, they quit following him. And, you know, he experienced, uh, he experienced something there, a desertion of people, because he spoke the truth. And uh, I'm just here to say that sometimes we may experience uncomfortable circumstances when we have to stand for truth. But we should not fear. And we should always speak the truth. And we should always be courageous. We live in a time where we are called upon to be courageous. This is a, this is a time where the pervaders of fear would like to have us fearful in this country. We cannot be that way. Matthew 10.28 tells us. Let's go here to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And I'm not saying there are things that we shouldn't consider and worry about and be concerned about. And we do have to have a healthy respect for, for certain things. But do we, do we fear? Do we fear? Is there that fear? Matthew 10.28 says this. Fear not them which kill the body. Are you afraid of anybody killing you? The Bible tells us we shouldn't be afraid of that. Fear not him which can kill you. But are not able to kill the soul. Because isn't that the more important thing? Did Jesus live? He died. He didn't fear it. He didn't compromise. And he died for us. But he did not live. I mean, he didn't, his life wasn't rosy. How many of you would like to have lived the life of Jesus? How many of you would like to have lived the life of the Apostle Paul? Or any of the apostles? Any of the disciples? I mean, they all suffered. Yeah, and they, they suffered. And were they fearful? It takes such a courage to do what Jesus did, who in the midst of false accusations and persecutions, answered not a word. He just was trusting God. He didn't answer back. He wasn't fearful, though. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So who are we really to have that respect for and fear? And, you know, who's that? That's God, right? He is the one that... We don't, we don't worry about those that can kill the physical body. But I would hate to be in a position where God would say, Sorry, and, you know, into the, in the, the end for you, you know. That would, be, that would be the most devastating thing in the world to me. Would it to you as well? But we don't fear those that kill the body. <clears throat> Our nations, you know, man, we're concerned about 
the morality issue in the country. You know, the morality issue is not new. Uh, morality issue has been going on for a long time. Uh, and it, but it certainly is very prevalent. Um, we are concerned and we worry about terrorism. It's worrisome. I'm sad by it. I'm sad that the world is, that that's the new war. Uh, I kind of laugh. That, I kind of laugh at the guy over in North Korea, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, he's a sad fellow. He, he is, and he, I don't know, he must have little man syndrome or something. <laughs> but he's building nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, we have stock market, stock market concerns, and a lot of people. Uh, a lot of what if you lost all your money that you have in the stock market? Where would you be? Would you be really any worse off? I mean, you you might lose. What's money? What's money? Money doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's so we can serve God and serve everybody else. That's why we have money. It isn't you know we're not in this to build great wealth and you know go floating off into the sunset in Tahiti. I'm not opposed to anybody retiring, so please don't. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, there are, there are many concerns for us out there. But what God offers each of us is courage to have a courageous spirit and a convicted, uh, convicted spirit instead of fear, doubt, gloom, and doom. It's one filled with love and power and of a sound mind. And it's one of action to expect miracles, to confound enemies. And uh, to lift up, you know, that's the power. To hear and believe and to hope and to endure all things. That's, you know, that's love. That's what we stand in. A clear understanding. Sound judgment that's attuned to the mind of God. Now, that's, the, that's a sound mind. Sound judgment that's attuned to the things of God. Those are the things we stand in. One that allows, um, you know, us to speak and say things and act correctly. That's that's what we're after. That's the one we want. That's the one that we love so much. I wanted to just take a second here and just... Almost every book in the Bible says this. Fear not. Fear not. Um, the enemy uses fear, but God would have us have faith in Him, wouldn't He? And instead of being fearful, He would have us be courageous. So I wanted to just go through just a few. I'm just going to read them. And because fear not is from Genesis to Revelation. The command. I just want to read a few of these. I'll give you the scriptural references if you want them. But Genesis 15.1 After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield and yet thy exceeding great reward. Who is saying that to him? God. God. Genesis 26, 24. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not. For I am with you and will bless you and will multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Genesis 46, 3. He said, I am God the father of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will make of thee a great nation. We know that story. Remember that? Exodus 20, 20. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, 
For God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 21. Behold, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. As the eternal God of your fathers has said unto you, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3. And they said unto him, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. And do not tremble, neither be you terrified because of them. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. I love this one. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He it is that does go with you, and He will not fail you nor forsake you. Boy, I stand in that. I hope we do too. Deuteronomy, or Joshua 8, 1. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be you dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given it into the hand, uh, given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. Joshua 10.25, Joshua speaks. Joshua says unto the people, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the eternal uh, for thus shall the eternal do, uh, uh, do to all your enemies because uh, against whom you fight. I'm going to read that again. Be not dismayed. Be not be. Be not dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus shall the eternal do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Second Kings chapter six verse sixteen. He said, "Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them." Have you ever thought about that? You know, Christ could have called down legions of angels. He could have, couldn't he? But that wouldn't have been too good for us, would it? Isaiah 35, 4 says, Say to them that are of fearful heart, Fear not, be strong. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will come and save you. And I could go on. And on by, I want to read. Uh, I want to read just a couple. This is New Testament. Luke twelve verse seven says, "But even the hairs of your heads are all numbered." And by the way, it's easier to count for God some of us than others. <laughs> even the hairs, the very hairs of your head, are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You know, I just say, God just thinks of us that way. He takes care of us. He says, fear not. Fears are our, is our enemy. Fear, is, fear, is, uh, fear paralyzes. Fear is, is the tool of our enemy. Acts 24, 7 verse 24 says, saying, fear not, Paul. This is God saying this to Paul. Fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar and lo... God has given them all that sail with you. And he was in prison and he, you know, he did he, he had to preach the gospel. He had to he, he he knew that's what God wanted him to do. And and he was willing to do that and Paul and God said, you know, fear not, Paul. And it's several references of this in the book book even all the way through the book of Revelation. So 
here we are, and we're told to fear not. Over here in Philippians chapter 4, turn with me to Philippians 4. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, because it tells us how to think, right? Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true, pure, good, lovely. We'll read that, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Does that sound like a mind of fear? No. Uh, I'll tell you, our approach to life is what we choose it to be that way. I mean, we can be glass half empty or glass half full. And this is positive. Here are things for us to think on. Fill our minds with these. We don't fill our minds with fear in those things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. That is the instruction. And the God of peace shall be with you. The verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be anxious. We don't get over, don't get stressed. You know, you've heard people say, don't get stressed out. Just chill. He's just saying, chill. Be careful of nothing. Chill it out. But in everything by prayer and supplication, haha, with a word added in there, with what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, that is where I want to be. There is where I want to get to. I want to, I want to have that peace like Christ had. I want to have that assurance and that conviction and, and uh, not fear. Now, I, I'll admit this. If I am brought before a court and I'm being called into question about something I may have preached, I probably would have knots in my stomach. I'm going to be honest. Wouldn't we all? I don't think Jesus was without knots in his stomach. I don't think the apostle that would. I mean, that's part of part of it. Adrenaline is going to going to be a part of it. But they didn't give into it. And you know, we all have to answer the question: What will happen? How what, how will we respond? But verse six, you know, has. Seven words here that is, I think, Paul's formula, and it's one for us to look at. How to get peace that passes all understanding. Anxious? No. We don't become anxious. Anxious, nothing. Prayer? That's everything. That's our contact with God. That's our communication. But, and by the way, if we're going to have that peace, and we're going to have that courage, He has to give it to us. And it comes through our relationship with Him. It comes through the Spirit of God. It comes through, through Him. Thanksgiving. That is so important that we do all things with thanksgiving. That's our request. And that will lead to peace. There's a story in the book of Daniel. And I listened to it by Alexander Scorby coming up here in the book of Daniel chapter 3. Um, it's the story of three Hebrews. Remember? famous, three famous children. Yep. And the story is written for times like these. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And it's written for people like us, and it's written for times like this. Because the scenario that we read, and we're going to read here in Daniel, is just what we face every day. It's what we face continually. And there's a fourfold message of conviction in the book of Daniel. Uh, you know, a lot of people have used Daniel to, for prophecy, haven't they? And tried to tell us all what all, everything means. But I believe the most important part of the book of Daniel is found in what we're going to read here in a minute. And it is this. This is the, the important thing. Religious convictions matter. What we believe matters. How we stand in the truth matters. It matters to God. And it's important to us. Important to us. So let's go over here to the book of Daniel. And we're going to read about, you know, three young men who did not bow down. And, you know, uh, and we know that Nebuchadnezzar made this giant image out in the plain there. And the command was, every time the music plays and trumpet sounds and timbrels, everybody's supposed to bow down and worship that image. And uh, so some of his, some of his uh, I don't know, top people came to him and said, hey, uh, you know, some of these Hebrews are not following that instruction. They're not, they're not bowing down. And he, he gets all mad and upset. And let's read about that. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel 3. He gets mad and verse 13 says, Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve, uh, do not you serve my gods, and you don't worship the golden image which I have set up? Is this true? Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you will worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? What's the normal natural reaction? Fear. Fear. Oh, I'm sorry, King. Well, what about that? Sorry. I mean, isn't that the normal reaction? Why is it that only three out of a thousand Hebrews who had returned to Babylon in the building, how come only three were able to, would, would refuse it? Do you think the others wanted to do it? I, this could be us. Maybe we might say something like, oh, I really don't want to bow down, but, you know, God knows and understands I really don't worship that thing. God will understand. Oops. And they maybe reasoned it away. But notice what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response was. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, it didn't take them very long to come up with the, what they were going to say, how they were going to respond. Verse 17, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, 
If it be so, did they know that God would deliver? They didn't know, did they? They did not know ahead of time. If it be so, he will deliver us out from your hand, O king. But then notice this. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. And we know that infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. And he ordered, you know, those that were tending the fire, the furnaces to make it seven times hotter. Of which when they opened the door, some of them even perished. And they cast the three in there, bound. And, you know, and we know that, you know, did we, I thought we just threw three in there. There's, there's four people in there? What? How, one, looks like, one looks like God. One looks like an angel. And they came out of that thing and survived. They didn't know ahead of time if God would or wouldn't deliver. They didn't know. In this case, God did. But they made it very clear. We don't know if, you're going to, if God's going to deliver or not, but if He doesn't, we're still going to obey Him. That took courage. That took courage. That is, that is very courageous. Jesus didn't live. You know, He died. But His death was was life. Life for himself and all mankind that he died for us. He did it with courage and with conviction. And you know what? The great thing I love about Jesus Christ who is our leader, he will never ask us to do anything he wouldn't do himself. Isn't that kind of the, the, what we really respect about leadership? Is those that will not uh, you know, expect us to do things. Oh, you go do it. No, no I don't want to get my hands dirty. He led by example. He suffered. He died. We're told, I will write this down if you like. We, we talk about this psalm. In fact, you know, we've, we've heard many times that this is, you know, people read this when they go to bed. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he leads me beside still waters. Though I walk through the, but it's powerful. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. For what? For God is with me. Uh, very powerful. So, is your faith is your faith sufficient to pass the test? Is your faith? Uh, if the Supreme Court, uh, you you if the Supreme Supreme Court ruled on what you believe, would you be convicted? Or would you just go with the crowd? Yeah, hey, we, if the Supreme, Supreme, Supreme Court rules against us, so be it. We will obey God. Um, and, you know, we... I don't know how the days will go. I don't know how the future is going to be for us, but we should not fear. I think the, I think the greatest thing we fear is when we know we're sick and death is a possibility. Isn't that fearful? That's fearful. That's fearful. How do we respond to that?
Will we face it with courage? I'm thankful that uh, uh, in the process, and you know, I've seen the process, there comes a point where that, is, that issue is taken care of and fear is no longer an issue and, and peace takes over and, and it's, you know, it's wonderful the way God does it. But hey, none of us want to die. We all know we're gonna. We do everything we can to extend it. Then we fear it. And um, I'm telling you, we're, we are really blessed. We don't have many, we don't have much to complain about. Um, I read some of these stories, you know, prayer requests where a young girl uh, was in a horrible car wreck um, and two of her siblings were were killed and she had just lost her mother in another uh, instance uh, from cancer and in this wreck she got paralyzed from the waist down. 11 years old. 11 years old, lost her mom, two siblings, paralyzed. I don't have any troubles. You know what I'm saying? My troubles kind of disappear under the face of some of the severity of trials. And, you know, uh, I, hope, I hope that we will learn lessons about uh, courage and conviction in, in the things that we go through. You know, we're told, you know, that we'll, we're going to hear of rumors of wars, wars and rumors of wars. And, he's, and we're told, don't be frightened. That's the NIV version of that. Luke 21, verse 9. Revelation 20, not 21. Look, this is, this is kind of the bottom line here. Revelation 21 for us. Verse 7 and verse 8. Verse 7. We love this verse. We read it a lot. He that overcomes shall inherit a few things. Oh, okay. I want to see if you're paying attention. Shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. He that overcomes. Boy, isn't God generous with what he, uh, you know, is doing with us? You know, children, and we're going to be with him forever. And that is his purpose. We're going to be one with him and with the son. That's just, uh, and all that that encompasses is his plan, and it's wonderful what he's done for mankind. You know, that he, uh, I will make man in my image and after my likeness. That's his purpose and his plan. I love it. I love it. But notice verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The fearful and unbelieving. I'm telling you, fear is our enemy. But we must not be fearful. Fear not. We read all those verses. Fear not. God is with us. He's with us. He'll take us all the way. What he has begun, he's going to conclude. What he's, he will finish. He's going to f- finish his work. He's going to f- finish everything that he's begun in each of us. Uh, and he is a, a great and loving God. First Corinthians 15 tells us that we are to be steadfast and immovable. That we're not to faint, especially in difficulties. That we be steadfast, that we be courageous. And that we stand. I believe that the righteous are to be bold as lions. That we're not to be fearful. 
We're not to be a people of fear. We're to be bold. Difficulties that lie in the way of salvation dwindle and vanish before a lively and active faith with the power and promises of God. They will dwindle. And we have to be those. We have to be faithful. All things are possible. All things are possible. We believe that. All things are possible if they be but promised. If God promises them, it will happen. We have to believe. Luke 12, 32, he tells us, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. And if you like to use history as an example of what God will do in the future, then Joshua 21, verse 43-45, Joshua 21 says, you know, all the things that God did and all the things that the troubles and all the, that the children of Israel, when He just brought them out from captivity and their rebellion and uh, you know, all of the things they did and the actions that He had to take, and then they wandered in the wilderness 40 years. But then Joshua 21, 43 says, And the Eternal gave unto Israel all the land which He sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it, and dwelt therein. Verse 44, And the Eternal gave them rest round about according to all that He sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man all of, uh, of all their enemies before them. The Eternal delivered all their enemies into their hand. They failed not aught of any good there failed not aught of any good thing which the Eternal had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. All came to pass. And let's conclude over here in in Romans chapter eight. See, because I believe everything he's promised us is going to come to pass, just like it came to pass for them. Don't you? Don't we believe that? If we remain faithful, we can't be fearful. We can't be paralyzed. We have to be. We have to have that spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. We don't have fear. Fear should not grip us. Verse twenty-five of Romans eight. But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? That's where we are. We believe it. We haven't received it. We see it. We want it. And we're patiently waiting. Right? Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is in the, in the mind of the Spirit. You know, God searches each of us. He knows each of us what we believe, what we stand for, what we stand in. Because He makes intercession. Oh, uh, and, if, uh, and He that searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. You know, we ask for, I'll tell you what, another thing. We ask for healings and we, you know, we pray for one another quite often, don't we? Do we always get our, what we want? Do we always get our petitions? Is that because God doesn't answer and doesn't, is that it? God isn't answering the prayers? No. I believe God answers every single prayer. 
Every single one. But let me ask this. Do we give our kids everything they ask for? As parents, we know what's best for our children, and so we know and guide, and you know, we know. Well, God's doing the same thing with us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what we need, and sometimes the best thing is no. He even told Paul. Paul asked to be anointed three times. God said, no, my grace is sufficient. Because he wanted something else from Paul. Things to be learned. But God never fails. He never fails to answer. He always... Frankly, and this is hard, hard to say. Please don't throw tomatoes at me for this. Sometimes the best, when someone is sick, the answer to prayer is to let them sleep and wait for the resurrection. That time, the prayer will be answered. Exactly. Yep. God is faithful. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them are called according to His purpose. For, form, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we know, we, uh, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Do you think anything's going to separate us from God? Any trials that we go through, any difficulties? Anybody going through any trials right now? Okay, those of you that aren't, raise your hands. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Sometimes it's tough going through our difficulties. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved, loved us. And then verse 38 and 39. I hope we will hang our hats on, the, on these two verses. Because um, I, I know Paul believed this. I believe this. I know you believe this too. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Nothing will separate us. And Philippians 1.6 says that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it. Please trust in that and believe that. So I believe he gets the message to us out loud and clear. He's coming back. And he wants us, when he returns, to be found, what, fearful, cowering, trembling? Nope. He wants us to be found faithfully and prayerfully and carefully and joyfully and fearlessly and peaceably standing for the things of God and trusting in him. And so I you know, we just want to end and say... Fear not. We are in God's care and in His hands. He will come back and we will receive everything that He's promised to us. So whatever difficulties and tests and trials that you're going through, just remember, God is greater and He's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And let's not fear. <laughs>